You're listening to the Fighting Irish Faithful Show, where we talk about Notre Dame football. On this episode four, your host will make a promise to the audience, and we will discuss offense, offense, and more offense. So sit back, relax, or lean forward and stress out. The choice is yours. But pour yourself a drink. Let's go, Irish. Three wide receivers right. They're going to go for two. Back to throw. Walsh looks, looks, looks. Has the time. Lost the ball. The pass is set it down. Dawson Pope, open receiver in the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame! Somehow, the Irish did it! Out of the pack, 30, 35, goodbye, baby! At the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10, fire, fire, rocket, touchdown, Irish! Zimbakowski looking for a block. Touch to the right to the 40. Gets a block, gets to the 45, 50. Up to the 45, 40, 30, one man to beat, 20, 15, 10. He's done to the five, touchdown, Irish! What's going on, Fighting Irish Faithful, and welcome back to episode four. A quick update on the schedule. It was announced this week that South Florida, we will be extending that series for two more games. Last week's episode, I discussed pros and cons, I suppose, of this game. We get to relive that 2011 experience two more times, even after this year. Hooray! Go Irish! Beat Bulls! So today's episode, we are sipping on Monkey Shoulder. It is a blended malt scotch whiskey. Um, I actually had never heard of this before until my uh, father-in-law was having Manhattans with it. Shout out to you, my father-in-law, who I also affectionately refer to as MacGyver because he can fix everything and anything. And uh, that's actually his ringtone on my phone. He gets the MacGyver theme, so... Thank you, Chris. You can follow the show on the YouTube channel, on Spotify, on Anchor. And uh, one thing that's great about uh, Anchor is I it tells me where my listeners are. I don't get your social security number or your address or anything like that. But uh, I found out uh, that I have listeners in Canada. Excuse me. This show has listeners in Canada. Ireland, and even Australia. That was really cool to hear. So I don't know if uh, uh, my uh, brethren in the Emerald Island or in Australia found the show by mistake if you were looking for something else, but uh, you heard some sweet killer music and you're like, hey, maybe we'll check this guy out. But thank you for listening. Appreciate it. That's awesome. Love it. I also found out this week on Twitter that I got two new followers. So we're at a whopping, I think, 16 followers now for the show. So uh, that's great. I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Thank you, everyone. Uh, go ahead and uh, continue to share and continue to listen. I do it uh, for you guys. And quite frankly, I do it because I have fun doing this. Speaking of Twitter, um, I want to make a promise to everyone here. So I noticed this week that there was a lot of negativity on social media, you know, due with uh, racial injustice. There's been hurricanes. There's just been a lot of turmoil. And I think also the intensity is dialed up with the election and a few other things going on. I want to make a promise to you guys that I am not going to get political on this show. I only want to talk about Notre Dame football. Uh, we'll talk about other fun random stuff here and there like scotch and and uh, stories and whatnot uh, from clubs I join. But regardless, I respect people's freedom of speech, and you're clearly entitled to do what you want on your news feed or your 
you know, Twitter feed, your podcast, whatever you want to do. But I have the choice to either not listen to you or not follow you. And, and you guys have the same to listen to me or not follow me. So I only join Twitter just to follow Notre Dame football. That's all I'm going to talk about. I come to this platform as a means of escaping from the turmoil in the world. And I'm not going to intermingle uh, the two. I enjoy healthy athletic competition, uh, the spirit of Notre Dame's teamwork, um, the toughness and the integrity that I believe is at the heart of the university. So I'm going to give all I can to you, the audience, to stay compartmentalized and keep that that kind of stuff out uh, of of this show. So the toast this week is going to go out to anyone who has a podcast or a Twitter feed that doesn't necessarily uh, bring those two things in uh, together. Um, Thank you very much. Cheers to you guys. And if you are upset and you are unhappy, you know, I can't speak for your feelings. You know what? The season is literally two weeks away right now. Go watch Rudy. Go turn on your favorite Notre Dame highlight film on YouTube, you know, or, you know, just just wake up. All right. Let's have some positivity. The the team practice this week. The season has not been canceled. I know everyone's living with this anticipation. They don't want to fully invest because, oh, they're afraid they're going to get slapped with a with a COVID cancellation like everything else that's been disrupted. But you know what? Games started this week, and that is amazing. Notre Dame's COVID numbers have come down. The uh, Looking at the dashboard, the percentage of positive testing is down to 3%. The seven-day moving average is also going down. My cousin who is in quarantine is out of quarantine, never had coronavirus. These are all really positive things. These are things that I'm going to focus on, and I encourage my other fellow podcasters. Let's let's turn the, turn the attention back on Notre Dame football, if you so wish. Here's another positive thing to, to think about. This is 2020. The players who are seniors right now, these are players who signed after the 2016 season. That was a terrible 4-8 and eight season, and we have many players who are going to make a very positive impact this year. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, Robert Hainsey, Aaron Banks, Drew White, Kurt Heinisch, Myron Tagovailoa, Amosa, and our kicker, Jonathan Dorr. Uh, I'm going to give a second toast out to Jonathan Dorr. Dude, you got some sweet hair going on. Uh, I'm not sure how you're doing that. I don't know if you're channeling your Tony Jones Jr. or, or what you're, what's going on there, but it is looking sick. If only you could like have the, the, the hair sticking out uh, above the helmet somehow. I don't know how, if that's possible. But uh, yeah, toast to the hair. And let me be frank. I'm not here to sugarcoat and blow sunshine and rainbow up everyone's ass here. Uh, I do not have blind positivity. I will be ticked off if we lose. I will be pissed like a, like a parent to a, a disobeying child, all right? If the season is canceled due to COVID, I am going to be so upset, and I will come on here and, and probably give some reasons about how this is BS. But I'm holding back on, on the anger. Right now, I see a lot of positive uh, things going on. I'm just happy that football is less than two weeks away, and the excitement is truly building. Get excited, everybody. So I'm going to share a funny story to uh, kind of focus everyone's attention back to something uh, less heavy. 
In 2009, uh, my whole family and my wife's family and her grandparents uh, were able to attend their first Notre Dame football game. That was the opening game of Notre Dame versus Nevada in 2009. And first off, grandma got really appalled and just like, oh my goodness, when uh, Notre Dame was already on the field and Nevada starts running out of the tunnel and all the fans started booing and just hissing and uh, she was just couldn't believe that people were booing. It, it was just so funny just seeing, you know, how she and she was a very proper lady, uh, very much. She was her own authority, always tried to be very respectful of everyone. So when Notre Dame fans were booing Nevada's team, she just couldn't believe that that was happening at Notre Dame. Uh, it was a little bit of a wake up call to grandma that, uh, hey, Notre Dame can be a rowdy place in that same game. My uh, my wife's sister, quick background, my wife is amazing, uh, but she does not come from a sports-oriented family. They're more into the arts, more into dance, ballet, the symphony, that kind of thing, and that's all great. I actually enjoy that kind of thing as well. But her sister, my wife's sister, uh, there was some question about a rule or like a third down or a penalty. I don't even remember what the s- situation was, but she just kind of like leans over and says, hey, what's going on with, with what just happened? And I'm about to chime in. And then my wife leans forward, like kind of cuts me off and says, well, actually, sister, and, and l- explains whatever the rule was. And I just was like, oh, my gosh, my work here is done. Uh, we were engaged at that point, and uh, I already knew that it was meant to be, but that 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 was a further cement to reinforce uh, that foundation of our marriage. So <laughs> there's a funny story for you guys. All right, so let's get into the spreadsheet since we've already sipped down a bunch of our drink here. Last week, if you recall, we discussed defense, and we started zooming in on players and uh, looking at their performance of last year and what we had remaining on the team. And then we kind of zoomed out to the national perspective. Uh, I'm going to stay zoomed out as we start to talk about the offense and go through uh, some of the logic that I use uh, and some of the numbers that kind of form my opinion. One thing I will talk about a lot is the stats of national champions. What is the national champion doing and how are they performing? I've amassed and calculated that there are about 17 stats that apply to a team and nine of them are defensive stats eight are offensive stats seven of the nine defensive stats are in the top half so uh, the primary and most important stat is scoring offense the next four are defensive stats rushing defense third down defense scoring defense and then total defense next is total offense and then three more defensive stats then you start seeing more and more offensive stats so that is why last week we discussed defense first because seven of the nine defensive stats are in the top half of the 17 total stats But this week, we're going to talk about offense, so let's go through them. I already mentioned scoring offense is the most important item. The national champion averages 41.5 points a game. That ranks them 11th in scoring offense. Total offense, the national champion average 
has a ranking of 17.4 for 487 yards a game. Then, most important offensive stat is third down percentage. The national champion average is 22.1 ranking and is just under 50% at 4.48. Right after that is rushing yards, ranked 26th in the nation for 166 a game. Red zone touchdown percentage, ranked 28th and scores a touchdown in the red zone 70% of the time. Red zone scoring percentage, so this concludes field goals there, they're ranked 35th and scores in the red zone 88% of the time. Passing yards is next. And this was very, very surprising to me. Passing is after all that stuff and the national champion over the last 10 years, they have ranked 46th in the country in passing yards. It actually was worse before last season's LSU team and Joe Burrow just annihilated everyone in those stats. But they average 46th and they the national champion throws 279 yards. Time of possession is after that of 48%. And so the national champion only holds the ball 51% of the time. And that actually kind of makes sense because you want to have a good balance of offense and defense and you don't want one side of the ball being overworked and and getting tired. You need the defensive guys when they're off the field to have adequate time to rest and same for the offense. And you also don't want guys sitting there for too long. So, so a nice healthy balance, um, I think is important. So when everyone talks about, Oh, the time of possession, time of possession, it's important, but I think as long as it's even and it's split on the time, I think you're doing what's best for the student athlete and for, for their physical uh, recovery. So where did Notre Dame stack up in these stats last year? We were ranked 13th in scoring offense versus 11th of the national champion average. Total offense, we were 44th ranking versus 17. Yikes, we gotta, we gotta get some more yard points there, I think. Third down percentage, we were ranked 65th. National champion average is 22nd. Rushing yards, we were ranked 45th in the country last year. Uh, and even in 2018, we were ranked 51st with Dexter Williams. But 2017, when we had Josh Adams and we became a power running team overnight, we were ranked 7th. The national champion average, of course, is 26th. Touchdown percentage. Last year was really good. We were ranked 8th in touchdown percentage. And that was the same ranking, 8th in 2017. National champion average is 28.6. Here's something that's very interesting and revealing. 2012, everyone likes talking about 2012. Our offense was ho-hum. This is very surprising. What was Notre Dame's red zone touchdown percentage in 2012? We scored a touchdown 48% of the time for a ranking of 112th in the country. That explains the five field goals to uh, kick to beat USC at the end of the season there. Red zone scoring percentage. Notre Dame is looking really good. Uh, Field goals, touchdowns, all of it. We were ranked 10th last year. National champion average 35. Passing yards. 48th on par with the the national champion of 46%. Passing is not as important as rushing. I'm just going to flat out say it. That's what the numbers say. That is what happens if you win the title. Look at Washington State last year. Look at teams like Hawaii, Mississippi State. You know, I do think Coach Leach is really good, and I think they picked up a good coach. But 
if they're going to do this Texas Tech, Washington State, throw it around all over the place offense, other teams in the SEC are going to shut it down. Time of possession, uh, we already talked about that a little bit. National champion averaged 51% of the time. Notre Dame is sitting at 96th last year at 47%. So a little heavy on the on the, uh, on the the defensive side. We need to hold the ball a little bit longer, but not that much longer. One thing that's nice to see is Notre Dame's offense is putting up more points. They are scoring more. Scoring offense is the most important stat. And of course, that makes sense because you have to score more points than the other team if you're going to win the game. After Chip Long was uh, dismissed from the team, uh, I'm not sure of all the, the, I heard there were locker room uh, rumors or something about, you know, he was kind of verbally harsh to some of the players or or whatnot. I'll let the other guys talk about that kind of thing. Notre Dame replaced Chip Long with Tommy Reese. And of course, Coach Reese, our quarterback coach and former player, Uh, Did a very good job winning the bowl game last year over Iowa State. But how does Notre Dame's offense compare to other offenses? So just as we did this with the defensive stats, when we were looking at Clark Lee, we're going to do the same thing for the offense. It's no surprise that the number one offensive team last year was LSU. Again, we're adding up how did each team rank relative to each other. So for example, LSU was the number one team in scoring offense. They were the number one team in total offense. They were the number four team in third down percentage. So add up those stats and you end up getting a score, right? It's kind of like golf. You want your score to be lower than everybody else. If you were ranked a number one in everything, you'd have a score of 17 and that would be amazing. The national champion averages a total score of 234 for offensive stats only. LSU's total score last year, 74. Next, Ohio State, their offensive coordinator, Kevin Wilson, their score, 83. Oklahoma uh, last year had two co-offensive coordinators, uh, their score, 77. After that is Texas, then Clemson, then Alabama, although their coordinator is Steve Sarkeesian, and we don't want that douchebag. Minnesota uh, had Kirk, uh, I'm going to screw up his last name, Sierraco. Oh, man, someone someone just blast me on Twitter for that. Um, But he actually was picked up by Penn State, so he's gone from Minnesota, so I don't imagine that P.J. Fleck and Minnesota will be as productive as they were last year, unless they got one of these guys up above. And then, surprisingly, Navy. Navy's triple option, they had a, a score of 183. Then is Notre Dame. Notre Dame had the ninth best offense, quote-unquote, based off of my numbers, based on this sum-up of how you did, uh, and their score is 233, which is right around what the national champion average is supposed to be. But our score is good in areas that are not as important i would i need to somehow figure out how to do a weighted percentage of of this of these scores to really give more weight to scoring offense total offense third down percentage and that sort of thing um and things that involve passing um are are more at the back end so why do i bring this up could notre dame have hired one of these other guys to improve their offense no offense to tommy reese but he has not been a coordinator in the program and maybe we do want to promote from within and i'm actually okay with that but could we have gotten one of the coordinators from texas 
or Oklahoma or Ohio State. I think Penn State did a good job picking up Minnesota's. Um, I highly doubt Brian Kelly is going to pick up Ivan Jasper from Navy and turn us into a triple option team, although there are some people who would probably love that, um, and I think that would actually be kind of fun to, to fun to watch. So bottom line is I'm happy that Tommy Reese is there. Uh, he was part of an offense that was ninth best in the country, but could we have gotten one of these other guys after Chip Long left? I don't know. That's a decision for the athletic department decision for Brian Kelly on whether he wants to hire one of these other guys or he's like, Hey, you know, I'm not going to go get Baylor's offensive coordinator or Boise States or something like that. You've already tried the Boise state offensive coordinator thing. How did Notre Dame produce the ninth best offense in the country? There is going to be a uh, drop off of production on the offensive side. I'm not going to lie specifically and most felt in the receiving core. And that would be Chase Claypool and Cole Komet. Those guys produced a lot of good production for this team. And on the rushing side of things, Tony Jones Jr. had more rushes uh, than anyone else. Not combined, but significantly more. The next most rushes was actually Ian Book. Chase Claypool produced 13 touchdowns last season for 1,037 yards, 5.1 receptions per touchdown, and 15.7 yards per catch. I mean, th- those are really, really good numbers. He's scoring a touchdown. When every five catches is for a touchdown, uh, that's that's wicked sick. Cole Komet, similar scenario. He had six touchdowns for 515 yards, 7.2 receptions every time he scores a touchdown, and an average of 12 yards a catch. Even Chris Fink, he was the third best receiver on the team. He had... 456 yards he scored a touchdown every 10 catches he had averaged over 11 yards a catch and scored four touchdowns for us last season so chris fink thank you very much for all you've ever done for notre dame on the rushing side of things tony jones jr scored six touchdowns for us amassed 857 yards but was only scoring a touchdown every 24 times he touched the ball but he did average over six yards a carry which is very respectable so definitely a yard point generator we will be feeling a vacuum in the receiving core uh the guys like Braden lindsey tommy tremble uh jafar armstrong uh kyrene williams and even some of the new freshman guys you guys this is a this is a call out to you guys, it's not a shout out in a negative way, but hey, step up. Come on, someone step up. You you guys uh, really need to make up. We have only 28% of all of our receptions uh, are still available on the team. Yards, receiving, receiving yards, 31% from last year are still with this team. Touchdowns, same story, 29% of our touchdowns are still on this team. So you guys really need to step up. We're looking for uh, you guys to fill the void. And here's one of the main reasons why. Of all of our touchdowns last year, 65% of them all came from the pass. I wish that was more on the rushing side based off of what I see out there. But 65% of all of our passing touchdowns were a throw, were a reception. 
Let's move over to rushing. Rushing is in better shape. We will miss Tony Jones Jr., but I think we're in a better position for one of these other guys to get more touches and uh, really stand out as a leading rusher. And this could be from freshman Chris Tyree. Maybe it's you, buddy. Uh, bring it. I don't know how many rushes we're going to give Braden Lindsay, although he's really good on the end around and that sort of jet sweep kind of thing. Um, but he's he is our our deep ball. You've got to get him in open space and and get him out there on on a crossing route, a quick slant, something like that. Um, get Braden Lindsay the ball. Jameer Smith, Sebo Flemster, you guys bring it. The reason why I'm I'm calling on you guys is 70% of all of our touchdowns last season are still available to us on rushing. Um, so that's that's really good. Tony Jones only took 30% of the touchdowns with him. But we need to get have more rushing touchdowns because last year Chase Claypool was just dominating. However, if we take away the rushing touchdowns scored by Ian Book where he, as he high steps into the end zone like in the Virginia Tech game, our touchdowns available to us uh, dropped to 50%. So Ian Book will still play a pivotal role, especially on when we get down to the, the red zone. He can punch one in, uh, but we need these other guys to really step up. I'm really looking forward to this season, looking at this younger offense grow and really will show Ian Book step out as a leader, directing traffic, bringing these younger guys up, finally get to see Tommy Tremble and Brock Wright just bring it. We're going to get some really we have a, we have a really good offensive line. I saw some stuff on Twitter about three of our offensive linemen are already uh, projected to be first team ACC offensive linemen. I mean, that's amazing. So, uh we got a great line. We've got a good experienced quarterback who can direct traffic. Um so this will be a good season. I, I am confident if we can score points, if we can have good even distribution of the ball between rush, rushing and passing um, and get that down to a 50-50% split, uh, that would be really, really productive. That is all I've got for you guys this week. The season is less than two weeks away. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about Brian Kelly and, and kind of his legacy and, and expectations for the season. Hope everyone's having a great week. Uh, prayers to those who have been affected by the hurricanes. Uh, say some prayers. Donate to the Red Cross. Donate blood. Call your mom. Whatever. Take care, everyone. Have a great week, and go Irish. And I just spilt whiskey all over my trousers. Damn it.